to the eighth episode of our podcast series named The Most Important Issues in Business Crime, where we ask leading business crime experts from around the world to tell us about the most important topics we think you need to know about. The object today is to briefly identify the most important issues, but not to catalog every potential one. Today, our episode focuses on the U.S. Department of Justice's recent shift toward pursuing national security-related corporate crime and how it compares to enforcement developments outside the U.S., in particular the U.K. I'm very excited to be joined by two of my favorite colleagues, Allison Saunders in London and Meredith Riley in Washington. Allison uh, has joined us before, and if you don't know, she was formerly the most senior public prosecutor in England and Wales and has been busy working on the other side of the table for a few years now with us. We'll hear about what she has to say about developments from the non-U.S. perspective. And Meredith works very closely with our team in the U.S. She's a senior associate uh, based in Washington, D.C., who has years of experience leading investigations and representing clients in front of the DOJ and other U.S. enforcement agencies in a variety of anti-corruption, fraud, sanctions, and other business crime matters. And she's also very deeply involved in some of our high-profile litigation matters. Thanks so much for, to both of you for um, doing this. Let me jump right in, Meredith, uh, and ask you, you know, tell everybody, what, what is this shift I mentioned toward national security-related enforcement all about? Thanks, Doug. A number of high-level DOJ officials have stressed in recent weeks that DOJ's renewed emphasis on combating corporate crime will include a substantial increase in attention to national security matters in response to what it sees as the increasing intersection of corporate crime and national security-related violations. These pronouncements started with a speech by Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco in early March, who called this a troubling trend and announced a restructuring and surge of resources to the National Security Division and other DOJ departments to address the problem. She also stated in a quote that has been widely repeated and reprinted that sanctions are the new FCPA. Principal Associate Deputy Attorney General Marshall Miller followed this up in a speech in early May that gave additional details on how the DOJ sees this dynamic and what their approach is. He was even more stark, stating directly that corporate crime presents a significant and growing threat to our national security. He said that corporate criminal violations intersect with national security concerns with what he described as disturbing frequency and gave numbers. Two thirds of corporate criminal resolutions since October of this past year have implicated national security concerns. That is very significant. I mean, that is an understatement. I should underscore that two thirds of corporate criminal resolutions since October of this past year have implicated national security concerns. And I've certainly seen that in you know the headlines. It's very interesting. So I guess I'm wondering what, what does that mean in practice then, Meredith? What is DOJ actually doing in response? So three main things. First is this surge in resources to the NSD. The National Security Division handles criminal enforcement of counterterrorism and counterintelligence laws, U.S. economic sanctions and export controls, as well as other national security related areas, such as Farah and CFIUS. DOJ is planning to add 25 new prosecutors to the division and appoint the NSD's first ever chief counsel for corporate enforcement. That indicates that DOJ sees this as a long-term problem 
that will need a high-level official dedicated to it full-time for the foreseeable future. The head of NSD, Assistant Attorney General Matthew Olson, also just announced the creation of a new national security cyber section within the NSD. Second is an investment into the Bank Integrity Unit, or BIU, of the Criminal Division's Money Laundering and Asset Recovery Section, or MLARS, which prosecutes financial crimes involving the Bank Secrecy Act, money laundering, and sanctions. This is a mighty but previously very small unit where 12 attorneys have achieved about 13 billion USD in criminal penalties since 2010. Third is the issuance of joint compliance notes with the Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, and the Department of Commerce's Bureau of Industry and Security, BIS. The first of these was issued on March 2nd regarding the risk of third-party intermediaries being used to evade Russia and Belarus-related sanctions and export controls. DOJ also has, and will continue to, issue joint advisories with other agencies, including one issued just two weeks ago with Commerce, State, and Treasury on the risks associated with Iran's procurement and proliferation of unmanned aerial vehicles. This is in addition to previously announced interagency initiatives. Primarily, that is the Disruptive Technology Strike Force that was set up in February, led by the NSD and BIS, but involving other agencies such as DHS, the FBI, and U.S. Attorney's offices that is aimed at countering efforts by malign actors and hostile nation states to illegally acquire sensitive U.S. technology. That's in addition to the Task Force Klepto Capture, which was set up in March 2022 to pursue Ukraine-related sanctions violations and asset forfeitures. It includes prosecutors from the Criminal Division, NSD, and U.S. Attorney's offices, and agents from a range of law enforcement agencies. This is all against the backdrop of significant updates to the DOJ's corporate enforcement policies and compliance guidance, as you've already previously talked about on this podcast with Allison, Richard Smith, and Adam Lurie. So to sum up, we've got infusions of resources into NSD, also into BIU, joint advisories between DOJ, OFAC, and BIS, a task force, a strike force, and updates to the compliance guidance and CEPs. Okay, well, that's a lot of acronyms, but it's also an enormous amount of activity in all seriousness. And we've seen it, whether it's sanctions or export controls, uh, the takeaway is um, international firms need to be a little bit more worried about what DOJ is doing. So, Allison, let's shift over to what's going on across the pond. I know there's a lot of things going on, a little bit parallel, a little bit different, but could you? update us on what's going on from your perspective in the UK? Yeah, sure, Doug, thank you. And um, that's a lot of activity going on across there. So, um, but we've also had quite a lot here. So last year we had the Economic Crime Transparency and Enforcement Act. Um, and when that was passed, that was really around tackling money laundering, especially where there's lots of national security issues going on and enhancing sanctions enforcement, so making it easier to prosecute sanctions enforcement. So um, that act is to tackle money laundering and enhance sanctions enforcement, making it much easier to um, enforce sanctions. But it also established a kleptocracy unit, um, which was there to really help um, actions that have been taken by counterparts, such as the US, but also to do it them ourselves and to recognize the sort of link, as Meredith has already said, the link between economic crime, corporate crime and national security. So that was last year. 
Um, this year, we've had the economic crime plan issued in March of this year by the government. And they, like the US government, have also invested money into this, some um, over 400 million over the next three years. And that's again about looking at um, making sure that there's new financial crime investigators, um, that there's a new crypto cell, so again, very similar to what's going on in the US, and extending the um, NCA, the National Crime Agency Kleptocracy Unit, um, so and putting more money into that. And of course, if you're going to get more investigators, more in investment into this type of activity, as you say, there will be more investigations, there will be more prosecutions. So it's something that corporates really need to start thinking about, making sure that they're sort of really doing their due diligence, that they're sort of looking at things before that investigator, the extra investigators that our governments have both um, employed, comes knocking on their doors. Wow, that's a lot too. Let me let me ask Meredith, and thank you for that, Alison. Like, just fundamentally, why? What's going on in terms of timing? There's a lot, as you said, there's an infusion, which is a great term, of resources, whether it's money or people or or laws. Um, why now? Good question. Uh, it really comes down to modern geopolitics plus the modern economy. That is increasingly complicated and uncertain geopolitical factors colliding with rapidly shifting regulation of rapidly changing commercial activity. Obviously, the primary geopolitical factor is the war in Ukraine, at the inception of which a huge number of sanctions and export controls were enhanced or expanded to an extremely broad range of Russian government actors, entities, and entire industries and sectors. It stands to reason that as entire economies of commercial activity became prohibited, large swaths of it simply moved into the illicit sphere, which leads to something of the tautology that if you criminalize a lot of things, you get more crime. Explicitly, there are more sanctions and other prohibitions, more ways to violate them, and more actors attempting to evade them. But it also goes beyond Ukraine. Some of the most significant enforcement actions have been for conduct not related to Ukraine or Russia, but to Syria, Iran, North Korea, and China. And it also goes to modern telecommunications and financial technology. In other words, the increasing and near instantaneous ease and speed with which money, assets, and commodities can change hands into and out of any jurisdiction around the world. And the increasing variety of means by which you can do that via cryptocurrencies, virtual commodities, and even virtual services. Yeah, that's well said, I agree. Um, Allison, how about from your perspective? Is, is it the same or is there any difference from the UK perspective? I think it's very similar and particularly around Ukraine. So we've just seen, for example, our government give um, guidance about um, uh, circumvention of Russian trade sanctions because it wasn't enough to have the trade sanctions there. So. Um, what they're worried about now is that there'll be a shift and there'll be sort of moves to circumvent. Um, so they've been warning businesses there about, you know, increasing their due diligence, making sure that they know where their supply chains are, um, making sure that they know exactly what, who they're dealing with. So I think governments are particularly concerned about Ukraine. But as Meredith said, you know, it costs government a lot if they have sort of economic crime. There's lots of figures about how much it costs governments. Um, and they're concerned about their national security and how that sort of factors. So 
Ukraine's not the only country that we're looking at. And obviously, like the US, we've got lots of sanctions against other people. And, you know, the concern is whether there will be more sanctions in future against different countries and people who come into play who might be supporting Russia, for example. Um, so it's all to be played with, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Um, nice placement of what might come uh, down the horizon. So um, definitely got to keep our eyes on it. Meredith, I always wonder, and I think clients are interested in terms of what, you know, public enforcement actions have occurred recently as, you know, those are good examples of things to uh, keep an eye on and help you to avoid landmines. Could you talk a little bit about what, what sort of enforcement actions have come out recently in this space? Mm -hmm. There have been a number of recent major enforcement actions. Um, in a way, this period started last October when the DOJ obtained the first ever corporate criminal guilty plea for material support of terrorism from the Farge SA for making protection payments to ISIS affiliated terror groups in Syria during 2013 and 14. That was a historic prosecution that resulted in financial penalties of over 750 million USD and two subsequent civil suits in the Eastern District of New York under the Anti-Terrorism Act. Another very significant action took place in late April through a DOJ resolution with British American Tobacco, which entered into a deferred prosecution agreement with the DOJ and a simultaneous settlement with OFAC for effectively running a joint venture for cigarette manufacture and sales within North Korea through a variety of intermediary entities. In doing so, it committed bank fraud and violations of WMD sanctions and North Korea sanctions, for which it will have to pay 629 million USD in penalties. DOJ has also announced a number of other actions, including a scheme against a scheme involving remote IT workers using stolen or fake identities to generate revenue and launder it back to North Korea, and five cases in connection with the disruptive technology strike force for export violations, smuggling, and theft of trade secrets. Wow. Um, sounds very serious and obviously I think is and is a significant, you know, not only reputational hit for the companies, but um, significant financial penalties. Allison, how about over there? Um, what's any UK enforcement actions or prosecutions you'd highlight? Um, it's interesting because we've sort of still been relatively quiet on the prosecution front. We did have the um, SFO pleas in Glencore, not national security, but still significant that there was that guilty plea in, um, of a, from a very large corporate. Um, there's still the sort of dis dispute over here or debate over here about how easy it is to prosecute corporates. So again, interesting that we've got an act currently going through Parliament at the moment where the government are looking to implement a failure to prevent economic crime um, offence, which will make it easier, it is said, to prosecute corporates. But there's also just been a much more um, aggressive almost addition to that um, bill being tabled in the, um, in the Houses of Parliament, where senior managers would be considered to be the directing mind and will of a business for certain economic crimes. And that will certainly make it much easier um, to prosecute corporates. So we're looking and waiting really to see what happens there. But equally with the sort of sanctions world, what we've seen is that the offences and the sanctions laws that we have here and in the EU, surprisingly, are sort of slightly more um, stern, aggressive than the US, which is um, normally the other way around. 
Um, yeah. But we are wait, still waiting to see what happens on sort of, you know, major enforcement there. Yep. Now, you, the um, focus by the regulators over there on the sanctions obviously has picked up. Um, yeah. Meredith, is, is it just sanctions and export controls, Meredith, or what other, you know, potential violations have come up in this sphere? Yeah, no, it's not. Um, although sanctions and export control violations are the primary focus, uh, they've included charges for smuggling, theft of trade secrets, cybercrime, money laundering, bank fraud, acting as foreign agents, uh, and violations of counterterrorism laws. The Lafarge prosecution was, in fact, not for violation of counterterrorism sanctions, but for violations of the material support statute, which is 18 U.S.C. 2339B. Uh, moreover, one of the recent revisions to the NSD's corporate enforcement policy was to specify that even though it is most applicable to sanctions and export control violations, it, quote, shall inform all other corporate criminal matters that the NSD handles. It's also worth noting that even though sanctions are the new FCPA, the FCPA has not gone away. Some DOJ officials have even telegraphed that there are some major FCPA resolutions landing as early as next week. And remember that the Biden administration established anti-corruption as a core national security interest in June 2021 and issued the national security strategy on countering corruption that December. So it wouldn't be at all surprising if we start to see anti-corruption enforcement increasingly intersecting with national security investigations. Allison, how about you? Is it just sanctions and export controls that people get tagged with, or is it a broader sweep? No, I think it's a broader sweep as well. I mean, it has been quite quiet on the prosecution and investigation front here, but we've just had some recent announcements from the SFO. Um, who have recently announced prosecutions in relation to individuals who um, said were defrauding people in relation to a forestry scheme um, and also in relation to um, mining and um, bribery and corruption issues there. So um, there has been more activity, interestingly, in the last, um, well, the last couple of weeks. Um, but also we've seen interestingly sort of press reports that the Crown Prosecution Service, which is the organisation I used to head, um, is just about to announce its first deferred prosecution agreement. So again, that's interesting because up until now it's just been the SFO, but it's looking as though that's becoming much more widespread. So, and we do have new directors of the SFO and the CPS being announced later on this year. So who knows, it could all change again. Yeah, I feel like the activity has picked up certainly in the past few weeks with the SFO. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that about the CPS. That's interesting. All right. Well, as we end, uh, we're getting close to the end, at least. Meredith, what, what else? There's a lot out there. What, what else would you want to tell clients about uh, important takeaways based on these developments? So overall, this should change the game in terms of national security related corporate enforcement and could change it for corporate enforcement entirely. It seems clear that there will be a significant uptick in investigations and enforcement activity. Those 25 new prosecutors are going to have to be doing something. Although it's unclear how long that will take to materialize, companies should take action now to prioritize compliance on the front end. DOJ officials have been very pointed in that they don't think current compliance efforts are enough. And what were often previously viewed as technical violations will be subject to increasing scrutiny and potentially a costly criminal investigation 
and so should merit increased compliance attention and efforts. And when potential violations do arise, companies should more carefully consider voluntary self-disclosure, taking into account the additional incentives recently rolled out and recognize that they may need to disclose not only to OFAC or BIS, but also to DOJ. Finally, companies in all industries should pay close attention to public resolutions and agency guidance. Uh, in a way, the statement that sanctions are the new FCPA is not just a warning, it's also an indication of how DOJ is going to frame its approach to enforcement. That means that, like it did with the FCPA, it's aiming to give guidance to enhance industry compliance and will expect close private sector cooperation to address what it sees as a critical threat to the national security of the United States. Super interesting and nicely done pulling it all together. How about Allison from the UK side, any parting words? Um, parting words are really for people to sort of make sure that they know what's going on in their businesses. Um, and if they're at all concerned to start talking to their lawyers as well. So, you know, whether it's a sort of difficult sanctions question, and they are now very difficult, um, or whether it is something that these new investigators on both sides of the pond are going to be looking at, you need to think about it, make sure you've got the right processes, procedures in place, the right compliance mechanisms. And don't think that for one moment, just because it's a sort of UK or a US issue, that it's not going to affect you on your, on your business on both sides of the um, Atlantic because again prosecutors are talking to each other what we've seen around the sanctions um, and around some of the economic crime activity um, you know there is much closer much more um, sort of dialogue between investigators um, and that means more joint prosecution sharing of evidence so um, again don't think you can just keep it boxed into one country if there is an issue you need to think about how you deal with it across the Atlantic and in possibly multi jurisdictions not just US UK. Yeah, that's a really good reminder I've now taken for granted the fact that we get sanctions inquiries where you do we're just working much more often together because of yep. what's going on over the pond they picked up the pace in my view um, so that's really helpful advice well. I thank you so much, Allison and Meredith, first for taking the time and doing this, but also for giving us very insightful uh, and a quick insightful information uh, and a quick overview of what's going on in this area. Uh, and I hope that you'll both come back and do this again soon on other topics. I hope our listeners found this very interesting uh, and obviously know that we're very happy to answer any questions and feel free to reach out to us directly. Uh, I'm sure you can find us on the web. Uh, and I hope you'll join us again on the next episode of the most important issues in business crime. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm.